disruption in wells will probably happen, but we don't see that happening soon. And obviously, we will be able to you know convert a business model as when it happens today. It's working really well for us. Right? It is that you know we'll keep on innovating in the future. We'll keep on you know coming up with new stuff. We'll keep on being the first ones in the industry. Um, uh, FinTechs have made it very easy to access. Um, I think products. Um, I think access has been disrupted. So you know if your business model is based on access, then yes, um, you know that is uh, a space where you really won't make any money. Um, and what we've seen over the course of at least history or at least the last 20, 30 years, the people who really made money have actually made money of ownership. And um, I do believe that over the next 10 to 15 years time, as more and more people sort of go into the stock market, you know, they really want simple solutions um, you know, for their investments. Welcome to another episode of Talks with Dalat, where we aim to deconstruct the seemingly complex world of finance and empower investors to take better and relevant investment decisions for themselves. My name is Varun Fatehpuria, and I am the founder and CEO of Dalat Wealth Management. Today, we have someone whose family has been deeply involved with the Indian capital markets over the last three decades and is often seen as a pioneer in whatever it does, the Motilal Oswal Group. Motilal Oswal was founded in 1987 by Mr. Motilal Oswal and Ramdeo Agarwal. What started out as a small sub-broking business by two individuals have really grown on to become a full-fledged, full-service financial services firm in India, uh, catering to investors all across the country, across a wide range of products such as retail broking, distribution, asset and wealth management, etc. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Pratik Oswal from the Motilal Oswal Group on the show today. Pratik, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on our show. Pratik, heads, uh, yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, please. Pratik heads the passive business at Motilal Oswal Mutual Fund and is responsible for its index fund and ETF product line. If all of those things sound a bit confusing to you, we'll just get a bit more into detail uh, shortly. Pratik holds a bachelor's degree in economics and mathematics from Emory University in the United States and a master's in business administration from the London Business School. So Pratik, let's get started by understanding your own journey into the space. I think it's fairly obvious from the outside looking in, you grew up uh, with talks about finance, about the share market. Uh, uh, so how did you, I would say, as an individual, really decide to pursue a career in finance? Because again, this can be a pretty cutthroat industry. And unless you're really passionate about it, I think it's really difficult for you to see it through the entire length of journey. So what was your sort of like guiding line when you got started and your advice from your father uh, when you want to enter this industry? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for, for having me out here. Uh, looking forward to our chat today. Um, <clears throat> so, um, you know, honestly, it's a very uh, interesting question because um, um, I think uh, um, for me, um, surprisingly, you know, I did not have a lot of dinner table conversations about work and finance and stock market and you know shares and all that uh, which is surprising i think uh, i think my dad and mom uh, always kept things very personal um, at home i think um, you know i think uh, it's and, and i sort of do that uh, do that um, in some way today where you know i'm at work i'm at work when i'm at home I'm at home so i don't tend to sort of mix the two um, so i so i do think that uh, you know the interest came from more about you know i mean you're, you're always inquisitive about what your dad does or you know how he spends his time 
and you always you know, you know like to go to office and spend time there and sit there and all of that so i think uh, you know spending more time with him uh, because obviously you know he's you know worked extremely hard so you know we've all been there for him uh, you know wherever so i think uh, interest levels came from his interest levels and then um, also you know one of the best uh, i would say um, uh, habits that i've developed over the last uh, 20 years 20 25 years has been of reading you know i picked up my first stock market book when i was maybe 11 or 12 and um, i think i've read hundreds of books uh, over the course and you know especially a lot of them in my sort of teens and that is really inculcated uh, you know interest in this space and uh, honestly it hasn't stopped uh, so 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 i do believe that uh, even though i have interest in many things i think finance is one thing where i've been consistently interested since i was maybe 15 16 17 so i think um, and and you know knowledge is also compounding so it always it's always good to you know be interested in something for a very long time and 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 actually it's it's helped also in a very big way so i think you know you know uh, re- reading up a lot uh, genuinely interested like you know honestly finance is quite boring you know it's quite nerdy and to be able to you know read finance books at 16 17 is like the nerdiest thing you could do so the fact that i liked it meant that you know maybe there's something there and that's how it started uh, one of the biggest things uh, pradeep that has stuck to me uh, honestly personally is that despite working in such a big organization with a very well established processes and systems uh, and sometimes it can re- really you know prove difficult to uh, move the needle so to speak right but i think what uh, we have seen specifically with you over the past few years you have really uh, carved out your own niche right i mean you have not really been there that he is the founder's son and automatically he gets the high seat at the table right over the past few years we have really seen you sort of like you know develop your own niche and really take it one step at a time and now currently you are heading i would say a a relatively bigger portion of the business uh, but i think from the outside again uh, it tends to be a smaller part right so what was uh, again i i would say i'm trying trying to go back because it's really interesting to understand i mean the kind of advice that you would have received early on in your career that not to think of yourself and as the founder's son or the uh, or the founding family member and really trying to prove your mark in whatever you're doing in the organization and really trying to earn your medal so to speak yeah so um, you know it's a i i always thought of uh, the company as a professionally managed company um you know the only family member that's involved in this company is my father so it's not really a family family owned company yeah. where i have uncles and cousins and all of that um and also it's not really a, it's actually owned by two people not one so actually it's more of a partnership than uh, than really like a like a founder owned and controlled company so i do think that uh, you know uh, and i and you know i've been told at a very young age that obviously you have to work hard and you have to ultimately you know i think uh, uh, even though you've been uh, i think the professional mindset is very important the good thing about me is that you know the professional mindset uh, in 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 addition to an ownership mindset that is a very good sort of uh, i think uh, combination to have and you know hopefully i'll be able to exploit that combination going forward Uh, but yeah i think you know super professional um, you know my idea is to just be useful to be honest you know i saw it from the outside and i was like you know how can i make things better how do i be useful in this ecosystem uh, i also thought that you know my mindset my thought process is slightly different from what it is as a company you know so uh, you know um, 
obviously i'm still adjusting to the company it's still tough um, you know there is obviously a lot of you know layers and all of that in the system and sometimes getting away is tough and i don't really force my way so i do think that yes um, you know by having this separate vertical that i carved out about 4 years ago well, two of them now three of them that's really helped me uh, you know gain interest you know sort of create my own ecosystem and also it's sort of adding value to the sort of organization at a whole but yes i think it's not really something which i see uh, full time over time i'll have to obviously make sure that i'm sort of more on part of the system which uh, hopefully i will in the next few years but i think for now it's been a, it's been a great start it's been a super fun start because you know i've been able to uh, you know really like i mean people have interested me with uh, a lot of stuff and i think uh, and 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 so far I've, you know it's 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 been a lot of fun great great pratik i think that's the, that I, i think that kind of sort of like humility is something that that that's really sort of like comes across in your conversations and you know the uh, the approach with the, with honestly the organization is also run and i've also sort of seen your father interact with a lot of people with with that sort of like a care but talking just a bit more specifically about the line of business that you're currently handling right now like the passive business so for the benefit of our audience could you just tell the difference between the active and the passive style of investing both let's say across equities or debts if you want to call it and what are the similarities and um, differences between them yeah absolutely so um, you know when it comes to investing and this is a very uh, birds have you investing you know you basically want to promote ownership you know i think uh, the best way to create wealth uh, there's two create there's two ways of making money one is to owning something and the other one is to you know renting your time through a salary or something like that and what we've seen over the course of at least history or at least the last 20 30 years the people who really made money have actually made money of ownership from owning things you know even uh, if it's owning their own companies if it's owning stocks real estate gold you know whatever it is i think ownership is very important and uh, you know one of the best ways of owning or at least uh, in terms of wealth creation is participation in equities or you know the share market uh, so buying and selling stocks is tough you know it requires a lot of expertise so mutual funds make it very easy towards you know i think uh, buying buying stocks you know you hold a portfolio of stocks so you don't you're not exposed to the daily volatility that comes with the stock market and it's much easier to hold on to your investments for a very long time within mutual funds i think um, you know passive funds etfs and index funds make it even simpler to hold stocks you know they're a simple index you know i'm sure a lot of people would have heard of nifty sensex uh, so those are index index indexes and the idea where index fund is to replicate the returns of the index so if you're buying a mid cap index fund your fund fund has to replicate the uh, returns of the mid cap index fund so the mid cap index fund is up uh, index is up 10% your your um, uh, return should also be around that much so so, so it's a very simple um, you know straightforward way of investing and um, i do believe that over the next 10 to 15 years time as more and more people sort of go into the stock market you know they really want simple solutions um, you know for their investments and you know between choosing between 50 or 60 different mid cap funds if they can just buy the index it's good enough for your you know long term uh, portfolio if you're looking to invest for say 25 30 years then it's very hard for you to select one fund so buy the index and you can hold on for a very long time so i think index funds and etfs are a category which is very popular globally and when i saw in 2018 so i was actually a wealth manager so i was in your shoes about okay. five years ago and uh, i saw that and, and this is in the us you know and i saw that most portfolios in the us had some index some etfs some active funds some quant funds you know and I, when i came back to india i realized that nothing was there you know i think uh, there was only these you know uh, i mean these long only active funds managed funds which were there 
And I thought that, you know, India tends to trail the US a lot in a very, in a very big way. So it makes sense for me to get involved here. It's, 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 and, and it's also a, sort of an area which we've already dabbled in the past. In fact, MOMC, Mutla's AMC was a passive ETF sort of AMC back in 2009. Uh, so we've already sort of had experiences. We failed once. So this is our sort of second time around. So that's how we started sort of this business uh, back in 2019. And uh, so far, it's been great. Uh, we've grown significantly and we have a lot of funds now under our belt. Uh, we're one of the largest in the space in terms of number of funds. Uh, and also, I think we're coming up with more and more innovative funds every day. And, and this focus on passive Pratik, right? Was it more of a deliberate call going where the puck is headed, right? Because this is, again, an approach that we have seen being fairly popular in the West, right? I think a lot of people in the United States, as you correctly point out, we try and replicate them. And obviously, uh, where uh, the West is uh, with respect to their own trajectory in the uh, in the capital market cycle, right? I mean, it's a lot more mature market. So obviously, the scope for alpha generation uh, tends to be significant less over there because, again, the, all the information is typically very well priced in. I think as an emerging market in India, I think, Obviously, there uh, could be an opportunity for both of these approaches to sit side by side. But why do you think the the AMC and you guys have focused so heavily on the passive, given, again, there is an ample headway and room to grow on the active side? So, um, actually, our core business is still active funds, managed funds. You know, passive is still a very small piece. Um, you know, the active tends to be more of an H&I business, uh, you know, B2B business, uh, whereas passive tends to be more B2C. So, you know, what people see is, you know, passive because the distribution is more direct to customer, consumer, whereas the active piece is more ultra H&I, it's, you know, so B2B. Uh, but that is a still a core business. I think if you look at our overall AUM of, say, 50, 55,000 crore, still passive is just 15,000 crore out of that. So I think overall we're still sort of you know and and obviously there there's ample of you know I think uh, um, opportunity out there. Uh, so I think both sides are also are are basically meaningful over the long run. I think both sides will have a lot of success. Uh, you'll see that in in the U.S. for example, a lot of the active money has actually left the mutual fund industry and gone outside towards alternatives. Whereas you're seeing a similar shift in India, where a lot of the people who want sort of, you know, like the big, like the H&I's, ultra H&I's are going towards these, you know, sophisticated alternative products, which is where we're seeing active money going. So I think uh, there will be ample of sort of opportunity at both ends. On the passive side, to be honest, um, it's more about simplification. You know, in fact, I, uh, one of the reasons to why we got into this is because I actually, when I came back to India, I wanted to set up a technology company that does asset allocation, you know, very simple, like a robo advisor sort of a thing. And uh, that required building blocks, you know, that required a mid-cap fund, a small-cap fund, an international fund. And, you know, I actually didn't have the building blocks then. So I was like, you know what, let me just launch them myself and then, you know, add them to the robo-advisor. The robo-advisor obviously, you know, um, uh, has not scaled up, but the uh, the passive business has scaled up. So I think that's uh, how it initially started. But the idea was very simple, is to have building blocks for asset allocation. You know, we believe that asset allocation is key for wealth creation, uh, not really fund selection. And with a passive fund, it's very easy for you to just, you know, I think there's, we have 28 funds across all categories. So anyone uh, who wants an international fund or a gold fund or a mid-cap fund or whatever fund, they can just add it to the portfolio in a very simple way. So that so was the we, initial yeah. When you go and speak to a lot of these investors today uh, in the country, pretty much spread uh, uh, through the length and the breadth, I think a lot of there's definitely a lot of literature surrounding you know whether you should be doing active and passive and all of those things i mean there's just so much information that is being floating around 
right? Investors often get confused that, you know, it's an either this or a that approach, right? Either I should be doing active or I should be doing passive, right? What would your advice to be investors uh, to how should they basically reconcile both of these approaches of investing and, and what role each of those play in an individual's uh, overall uh, investment portfolio? Yeah, you know, so honestly, there is no right answer. Unfortunately, um, you can go all active, you can go all passive, you can go hybrid. I think um, it really depends on person to person. Uh, you know, active funds um, are equally good, to be honest. Uh, a lot of them still, you know, deliver alpha, not at all times, but they do. So I think uh, for someone who wants to, you know, bet their money on a certain fund manager, and their sort of you know value proposition, then it makes sense to go up an active. In fact, what we've seen is that the stickiness of an active fund is slightly higher than on a passive fund because you know people always think that you know well, there's a temporary lull and people will come back. Uh, whereas in a passive fund, you know because there's no one there's no one sort of you know behind it, you know, churn tends to be a lot higher in passive funds. So it really depends on person to person. I think uh, in my case, uh, we are always proponents of a hybrid type of a thing where. You know, some of your money, say your core allocation or you know, something that you want to invest for, say, 20, 25 years, you know, just put it in a Nifty 500 fund or some index fund without even thinking about. And then if you're looking to sort of, you know, make bets for the next three to five years time, then it makes sense to go for a, you know, an active fund where you, know, you have the expertise to select the fund manager. So I think for someone who is a DIY investor who doesn't want to spend, spend time selecting, a passive only portfolio is good enough. Uh, but someone who is sort of you know, experienced and who is able to you know sort of select the right fund, I think um, the biggest mistake that people make is trying to buy the fund which has the highest returns, and that is a really seriously big mistake because you know what we've seen is that the funds that perform in the past, uh, you know, there's a good chance that they don't perform in the future. So I think people need to look at look at the look at the overall strategy, uh, you know, the fund management execution, the fund house philosophy for them to really go ahead and you know select the right fund. Um, so, so um, I, I am of the approach that it should be hybrid, but honestly, there is no right answer. It really depends on people. I think what's important is people who select the right, who select the mutual fund, should stick to it for a very long time. You know, should be disciplined about it. You know, the average. Uh, there was this data that I saw that the average holding period of a mutual fund in India is about one and a half years. Yeah, which is absolutely crazy. Which is absolutely crazy. I mean, it should be more than five, six, seven years. So I think buying a mutual fund and churning it is uh, is a recipe for well destruction. Uh, so I do believe that you know most investors should do whatever is comfortable for them to hold stuff for five, seven, ten years minimum. So that's how the holding period should. Be. And that that provides a good segue to our another another question that I wanted to discuss. Right, obviously, I think with respect to the holding periods that most of the investors today in India have, I think technology has played a big part. Right, while at one end it has definitely made the entire investing process a lot easier right on the other hand it has unfortunately given people access and tools and power to basically be able to just you know log on to the app and redeem it whenever they feel like right i think that's sort of like the friction which has uh, gone away with technology unfortunately has not played really well into the in investors return right but trying to just zoom out a bit your company has been here for over three decades it has definitely seen a lot of the market cycles the disruption which comes but this, this this growing power of fintechs over the last five to ten years, right? I think was there ever a moment in the company where it really felt that oh no, this thing is real and this can really eat into and disrupt our traditional broking business? Because with respect to the discount brokers, I think definitely on the retail side of things, I think they've pretty much captured the market, right? So as a, as a company uh, from a strategy point of view, 
how do you guys you know uh, rewire the company to adjust to whatever is happening in the fintech space yeah so disruption is real um, i think uh, especially in a financial services domain where um, you know honestly fintech is like <clears throat> like now bigger than any other tech so especially in india um, i think if you also look at uh, the profitability of uh, of of every sector if you look at this every sector look at profits then the highest number of profits will be generated by the banking and financial services industry so that's where the profit pool is and wherever the profit pools is where you have a lot of competition you have a lot of startups coming in Uh, so i do think that yes um fintechs have made it very easy to access um i think products um i think access has been disrupted so you know if your business model is based on access then yes um, you know that is uh, a space where you really won't make any money um so i do think that uh, you know access to financial products whether it's stocks or mutual funds or bonds i think that market is um, i would say you know slowly becoming zero fee just like payments uh, but i do feel like you know um, you know at bothers well access is something which we did provide a lot over the last three decades but one of the key value as that we provide is your research is advice um, is also a distribution capability you know india is still primarily a push market for uh, financial products you know and you see, and this is for mutual funds stocks insurance all of that and that requires you know i think a physical infrastructure for you to go out there and you know i think uh, uh, i mean go out there and actually talk about you know, these products to customers and get customers in to buy these products uh, yes um, on the retail side uh, please on the you know broking side there's a lot of disruption for people who just want to buy and sell stock but i think um, you know if you look at wealth management or if you look at say distribution it's still very physical um, and 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 that i think will probably be physical for the next decade or so uh, which is what our focus is in fact what we realized is over the last 5 years is that uh, we've actually doubled down on our distribution so if you look at uh, our business model today uh, it's actually you know most of our competitors have actually gone towards discount booking as we stood our ground and i think that's worked out really well today we're top 3 in terms of profitability and maybe top 7 or 8 brokers in the country in terms of volume so i think uh, volume is something that we don't want to play with we want to play in profitability and there is a significant market out there where people do want to talk to people you know people do want yeah. to take advice we do want to know what to do with their money and i think that's the market that we want to sort of capture um so 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 i do think that um, you know our our information our our sort of value add is advice research and uh, you know person to speak to uh, and even the us you know if you look at the us i was in wealth management in the us you know if you, any all of my friends all of my friends who worked in say silicon valley san francisco which i was where i was staying the moment their wealth went beyond say uh, say half a million dollars or six or maybe more than that they went from going from a sort of tech based advisor right. to having having an rm in the bank yeah. or a advisor who come and talk to them on a monthly basis so i think wealth is very personal and i think it does require a personal touch uh, it and and this is in the us silicon valley where everybody is very futuristic and you have a lot of these guys who invest in tech companies but when it comes to their money don't they don't want to do so i think uh, uh, and even in india the same thing is happening a lot of the money is now being managed by independent wealth advisors you know boutique fund uh, uh, company just like yours uh, so i think uh, wealth is still um, yeah, maybe uh, disruption in wealth will probably happen but we don't see that happening soon and obviously we will be able to you know convert a business model as when it happens today it's working really well for us
and and finally prateek before we end right i mean obviously it has been a tremendous journey for the firm over the last 3 3 and a half decades really stood their ground and actually uh, not got uh, entangled with any of the crises and whatever sort of like comes and there's no sort of like a very clean corporate governance and i think that has really helped the company to uh, you know uh, impart that trust ultimately i think trust is something that is paramount in and in a financial services business right so that's that's something that has been uh, of great care for you guys so now from your vantage when you look at the next i would say uh, three decades right i mean where do you think motila loswal is positioned and where do you or uh, the management of the firm really want to uh, take this firm to so you know i think um, um, the good thing is that you know innovation is in um, in our dna um and 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 from the outside it may not look that way but actually you know happen inside you know you, you actually we're a very innovative company um even though we we have a legacy brand uh, we're the first ones in the country to start an equity research desk you know in the early 90s uh, first ones to start an institutional uh, equities desk in the late 90s where morgan stanley came in and we were the first customer uh, first ones to launch a pms business in 2003 where now we're one of the largest uh, aifs you know first ones to go <clears throat> sort of big in ifs about 5 years ago and now the largest uh, act, even in etfs you know we tr- we tried to launch a big etfs business in 2009 uh, but then obviously the market didn't catch up so i think but but we still kept at it and now we're doing very well there um so i so, so i do think that you know innovation is is big in our dna uh, but as as you said um, you know i think going forward also one of the reasons to why i'm very uh, by at least uh, i'm very excited is that you know we'll keep on innovating in the future we'll keep on you know coming up with new stuff we'll keep on being the first ones in industry to do things and i think that is what um, uh, you know we'll um, and and so i think the, that's the sort of you know i think culture that we want to propagate in the in the in the in this industry especially where things are moving so quickly um so so i think that's one second is i think uh, our niches we've we kept in our niche uh, most of our competitors uh, you know so our competitors change every 5 6 years um in, in the in the 90s or something else 2000 something else today is the discount brokers so i think what we really kept is uh, we've really stayed our ground towards equities a lot of our competitors have gone into you know mbfc is lending uh, real estate this that i think we've kept focused on equities so i think we see ourselves experts in this space and um, i think for wealth creation this is probably the best space to be and uh, the amount of interest that's coming you know from uh i mean we're still so underpenetrated so i think um, next 10 years the sort of penetration levels that go up going to go up maybe 10 15 20 times so i think the, we hopefully will stand uh, a huge chance of you know of of making sure that we're there in every category where there's innovation and second is in the category where you know we see ourselves as experts i think those two are a good combination to have when you're looking at building a big business uh great thank you so much prateek for doing this for such a insightful session i'm sure our audience and viewers today would have learned a lot uh from someone in your seat you know having that sort of a viewpoint into really the pulse of the indian financial industry right someone who has really been there over the last 3 3 and a half decades has really seen the ups and downs and for that matter the growth of the indian capital market so i hope it is an insightful session for our uh, listeners and viewers today and we will catch you guys uh, in the next one until then stay subscribed to our podcast thank you